Welcome to the review recap episode of Broadway Radio for the Broadway premiere of Pictures from Home. This new play written by Shar White, based on the photo memoir by Larry Salton and directed by Bartlett Shear, opened on Thursday, February 9th at Studio 54 and had an impressive cast led by Danny Burstein, Nathan Lane, and Zoe Wanamaker. The show's official plot description says, quote, Three of theater's most inventive, inspired, and award-winning artists bring to vivid theatrical life a comic and dramatic portrait of a mother, a father, and the son who photographed their lives. Based on the landmark photo memoir by Larry Salton, adapted to the stage by Shar White, Pictures from Home will evoke memories of childhood, parenthood, and the hard-won wisdom that comes with both. The reviews came in pretty late on Thursday night, past 10 o'clock, and I'm old so I didn't stay up to get them all in, but I am coming to you on Friday morning with a recap of those reviews. The review aggregator site, Did They Like It?, has not posted their reviews, so I will kind of go through them all at once. They were a little bit all over the place, some positive many mixed and some negative as well. We will start as always with Jesse Green from the New York Times. He said, quote, the play by Shar White that opened on Thursday at Studio 54 has not made it all the way from two dimensions to three. Though honorable, thoughtful, and wonderful to look at with crafty performances by Danny Burstein, Zoe Wanamaker, and especially Nathan Lane, it cocks so many of the book's expressive cracks that the best thing about it, its mystery, is sealed out. Overall, Green, I would say, was positive, but obviously some reservations nonetheless. Adam Feldman of Time Out New York was mixed, giving the show three out of five stars, saying, quote, The play tries to tell what Salton's photographs show, and to some extent, it succeeds. Because the actors are so appealing, they make for good company. Lane can ring laughs out of any line he wants just by slapping a comic cadence on it. And his restless, carping herb is an apt foil for Burstein's tender, reflective Larry. Wanamaker brings wit and spine to a part that is supporting in more ways than one. Bartlett Shear frames the play in a spare, asymmetrical physical space, designed by Michael Yergin and lit by Jennifer Tipton, that helps keep it from seeming too cozy. We've had one positive, we've had one mixed, now we have one that is negative, written by Nicole Serator. For the stage, she said, quote, Artist Larry Salton spent 10 years photographing his parents in their Southern California home and analyzing their home movies for his 1992 photo memoir. Now, playwright Shar White dramatizes Salton's efforts in a play of the same name directed by Bartlett Shear. Frustratingly, whatever complexity Salton's memoir holds translates into oversimplified family squabbles in White's script and is flattened into diluted comedy by Shear. Yet, Nathan Lane and Zoe Wanamaker deliver strong character performances. Charles Isherwood, writing for the Wall Street Journal, said, quote, When contemplating the talent involved in Broadway's Pictures from Home, a cast comprising Nathan Lane, Danny Burstreet, and Zoe Wanamaker under the direction of Bartlett Shear, managing expectations is hard, but necessary. For while the production is impeccable and the performance is polished and funny, the play, adapted by Shar White from Larry Salton's memoir Come Photograph Book, feels like a snapshot that hasn't been fully developed, to borrow the handy simile. Diffuse and sometimes repetitive, it uncomfortably resembles the scrapbook of sorts on which it was based. Jackson McHenry of Vulture said, quote, The play's nearly timeless memoir-based structure does not help the forward momentum. The characters speak across decades, but seem to repeat discoveries from scene to scene across pictures from home's intermissionless hour and 45 minutes. 
That captures the way that time will blur together when you're spending time with family, but it blurs the drama too. Finally, we'll end on a positive one. Juan A. Ramirez writing for Theaterly said, quote, While Lane is handed and perfectly handles the bulk of the play's laugh lines and emotional beats, Wanamaker is sadly relegated to the background for most of its runtime. It's a shame, given that, looking pantsuit glamorous in Jennifer Moeller's perfect costumes, she strikes a powerful, memorable presence. Such was the role of the mother, one could shrug, though with Salton's intentions set on dashing such minimizing ideals, it's a shame Shar cannot extend the same grace. But, while family remains an elusive thing to capture and even shiftier to understand, it can appear, however imperfectly, the only thing to ever matter. If you would like to read more of these and other reviews, we of course will have a link to the Broadway World Review Roundup in the show notes. If you're listening to this episode in Patreon, have a wonderful rest of your day on Friday. If you're listening to this in our regular feed, I will now send you over to the rest of Today on Broadway. What do you get when you fall in love? A guy with a pin to burst your bubble That's what you get for all your trouble I never fall in love again I'll never fall in love again Welcome to Today on Broadway for Friday, February 10th, 2023. I'm Broadway Radio's Matt Tamanini. And I'm Tell Me on a Sunday podcast, Grace Aki. Grace, we are here recording in the late afternoon, early evening of Thursday, February 9th. That means in just a few hours, the company of Pictures from Home will open at Studio 54. This is a show, as we've talked about multiple times, written by Shar White, directed by Bartlett Shear, and has an incredible cast featuring Danny Burstein, Nathan Lane, and Zoe Wanamaker. I know you and Ashley were there together, <laughs> not together. <laughs> But you were stalking her with a video from the back of the house that you sent to us very uncreepily. Very well. three rows behind her. Let's be clear. It wasn't the back of the house. I had an okay seat. Thank you, Polk. Um, but yeah, it was um it was it was really fun to see um Ashley there because we both knew we were going the same night, but um it was it was wonderful to be also surrounded with other people that are in the same kind of like industry to to talk about it ahead of the or not talk about it. Not talk not, about it. You can you could you could talk about it amongst <laughs> yourselves, but not sure. here on the show until it's officially yeah. open. Yeah. Uh, but I've been, you know, as I told, I feel like I've said this before on the show that I've gotten the opportunity to work a little bit on the show, and um, I am excited for um, everyone to see it and have it open. And anytime there's a show about an artist, I'm automatically intrigued. So it's been a, a real pleasure to be able to dive into the mind of uh, Larry and everything. So um, yeah, I'm excited for um, everything to come out, and I'm excited for more people to see it. Yeah, so the Larry you're talking about is Larry Salton, who uh, this is a play adapted from his photo memoir. So uh, that kind of explains what's going on there. And Danny Burstein is effectively playing Larry in the show. We will have all those reviews coming up in a special episode in the Patreon feed or at the beginning of this episode if you're listening in the regular feed. So you've already heard those. So congratulations on time traveling. If you want to make sure that you get all of our episodes before anybody else, including our review roundups, head over to patreon.com slash broadwayradio, broadwayradio.com slash Patreon. So for at least until tomorrow, Never fall in love again. Ah, never 
never fall in love again. I'll never fall in love again. Unfortunately, Grace, as exciting as that is, the biggest story of Thursday is one that is not nearly as fun or exciting, and it is the passing of the iconic songwriter, Burt Bacharach. He died on Thursday at the age of 94. He is a Grammy, Oscar, uh, and Emmy Award winner. He was also a Tony nominee for, uh, of course, for Promises, Promises, did not win, although he did win uh, a drama desk for that same show, but an absolute icon of both popular theatrical and movie music as well. Some of his biggest songs, Walk On By, Do You Know The Way To San Jose, of course, the one that's been stuck in my head all day is uh, I'll Never Fall In Love Again, which became so ingrained in my life after seeing the Austin Powers sequel with Heather Graham, where Elvis Costello and Burt Bacharach performed that song in the movie together. Ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Burt Bacharach and Mr. Elvis Costello. That has like become one of my favorite songs for decades now. Obviously, he had a career that spanned multiple decades, uh, most of which working with lyricist Hal David, who has also passed away. Again, six Grammy Awards, three Oscars. His songs have been recorded by more than 1,000 different artists. As of 2014, he had written 73 U.S. and 52 U.K. top 40 hits. Obviously, one of the biggest composers of popular music in the 20th century going on. Uh, raindrops keep falling on my head. They long to be close to you. That's what friends are for. He obviously had a legendary collaboration with Dionne Warwick. I just want to say Dionne Warwick's HBO documentary just came yeah. out with tons of Burt Bacharach footage because of their partnership. So it was really, really great to see that there as well while you're mentioning it. Yeah, we had a had a watch article about that over on the streamable this week. If you need to figure out how to do that, head over to the streamable.com. Uh, I did see that Dion just posted a picture of her like 45 minutes before we started recording uh, of her singing at the piano with Bert playing. Just obviously, it's impossible to overstate the impact that he had on popular music. I Earlier today on Thursday, I interviewed the great Rupert Holmes again and talked to him about you know, the fact that Burt had written for the stage, for the screen and popular music, which very few people have had that kind of success. And Rupert Holmes, while a legend and doing all of those things, perhaps not at the level of Burt Bacharach, but he just kind of went on and on about what a musical genius that he was and also talked a lot about the collaboration between Burt and Hal David. So uh, you'll hear that in a couple of days. But Grace, uh, I, for you, is there a, a Burt Bacharach song that stands out to you as being the one that kind of like is the defining musical moment of, of who he is in your life? I mean, I, I always think of That's What Friends Are For because of what it did for so many movements, right, um, and Dion. But I have to say that, like, my little anecdote, if you will, is that I believe I worked on the last Grammy-nominated album of Burt Bacharach, oh, which right. was Some Lovers for the musical theater category last year. Uh, me and Robbie Rizal, famous uh, for being on the show, um, we we got to work only a few times, um, like literally seeing Burke on a Zoom was kind of crazy. I remember like calling my mom and being like, oh my God, he's like, 
So it was really exciting. But him and Steven Sater's album, uh, Some Lovers, was a really sweet, beautiful piece. And I was so honored and excited to be able to listen to and work on uh, that album's release. And um, yeah, I was really, really proud. That was, I think, my first the first time my name appeared on a Broadway Records album was alongside these legends. Um, and if you want to listen to it, like it's a really, it is the most modern Burt Bacharach album there. I mean, it, yeah. it just, it's absolutely emblematic of his sound and his tone. And like, honestly, the, my young self, the first memory I have is Austin Powers because he showed Same. up in that film and it was just such a great thing of like, yes, he's such a legend, but like what a wonderful sense of humor and like how cool he is. And so I think that like the Butch, uh, uh the, Butch wow, Cassidy, Butch Cassidy and Sundance, and Sundance yeah. Kid is is probably my most prominent. Like that, that is film history. So I agree with you. There's nobody else that's done what he's done, and um, he's obviously severely missed. But wow, wow, what a what an incredible career! And also, like having had TV, film, and theatrical ties is is not often. So. So you obviously have that connection with Burt Bacharach. You are not the only person in your own personal committed relationship that has a connection to Burt Bacharach. Do you know what Burt Bacharach's final Broadway credit was? Not Promises, Promises? It was not Promises, Promises. <gasps> oh my gosh, I don't know. Burt Bacharach is credited with adding additional music to the score of Holler If You Hear Me. Wait, stop. I'm so embarrassed now. I should have known. I'm sure that it's I, I did not see the show in the summer of 2014, but I don't know if it's some music that's wow. playing in that show or whatever. But there's a lot I'm of find out. Yeah, there's a lot of uh, theater. He actually has like 10 Broadway credits. Obviously, that includes two productions of Promises, Promises. He also conducted and did music arrangements for uh, Marlena Dietrich a couple times on Broadway. Uh, but then a lot of them are featuring songs by him, like uh, An Evening with Diana Ross and Andre De Shield's Harlem Nocturne featuring songs by Burt Bacharach. Other you know, musicals that featured his pop songs, like The Boy From Oz and Baby It's You, and of course, Holler If You Hear Me which you really should be ashamed that you didn't realize that he had music contributed to that one. But either way. Anyway, let's move on with some other news. It was announced earlier this week in an email that went out on uh, on Wednesday from Actors Equity stating that the union's open membership initiative called Open Access will go from a temporary program to, to a permanent policy. I think, Grace, you and I talked about this all the way back in, well, maybe, would, would it have been you and me back in July of 2021? Would that have been you and me talking about it on the show? I can't remember now. Oh, uh, maybe so. I think it was for some reason. Anyway, open access allowed any actor or stage manager who had been paid for their work in those roles within equity's jurisdiction to be considered eligible for union membership, even if it didn't exactly fall in the right theater categories or all of those things. That rule, which was, of course, set up because of all of the issues that had come out of the COVID-19 pandemic, was set to expire on May 1st of this year. But it was announced in that letter to its membership that it will continue indefinitely. Prior to this initiative, there were three ways to get equity membership. One, by receiving an equity contract, obviously. 
Two, by being a member of a fellow um, sibling union, SAG-AFTRA, AGMA, AGVA, or three, and this is kind of where this comes through, the through the Equity Membership Candidate Program, EMC, in which non-equity actors have earned, like, can earn points for how many weeks they worked as a, a at a, an equity qualifying theater in order to earn membership. They had to get 25 EMC points. This is going to be phased out over the next three years. Uh, and the union will not accept new EMC applicants instead going through the open access policy. This obviously was brought about, like I mentioned, by COVID-19, but also organization-wide concerns about the diversity of members and kind of the institutional limitations that allowed people to get into these equity theaters and how that was being kind of funneled upwards. If there are issues with getting people cast and uh, stage management jobs in these regional theaters, that just means that it'll be more difficult for people of color and minorities to have opportunities to earn equity status. So we talked about at the time that this is kind of at least partially a, you know, a way for equity to increase membership and increase money, which I think that is obviously a part of it. But also I do think that anything you can do to include union representation to as many people as possible, that's ultimately a good thing, even if it has some altruistic reasons for doing it in the first place. Yeah, I, I now that you're talking about it, yes, we totally talked about this on the show previously. Um, I actually saw this blow up on TikTok the other night. So that's why it was even like attuned to, to the fact that people were like, do we buy in? Do we not buy in? And it's leaving. So like, what do we do? It's an interesting conversation. And I think that a lot of people have had something to weigh in here. I'm just curious why the timing. But that's I mean, that's neither here nor there. So. Well, I mean, it's 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 three months away from phasing out. Right. So I guess, you know, better now than like three days ahead. But uh-huh. um, yeah, so I, you know, get them in, folks. Yeah. I don't know <laughs> what that means in terms of like how that changes equity, if really at all. But it is kind of interesting that the differentiation between equity and non-equity actors was so ingrained in the theater community. And it really put a lot of people who were equally talented with a lot of equity members at a significant disadvantage for having the opportunity to be seen. But now maybe it'll be a little bit of a, a a field leveler, but we will definitely see how this plays out in the coming years. All right, Grace, I saw the show Mamma Mia for the first time a couple years ago, not really having any interest in seeing it. I was kind of like, okay, I've never seen it. It sounds cheesy. It's, you know, it is what it is. It's ABBA, whatever. And then I saw it and I was like, oh, I get it. There's a reason that this show ran forever and honestly should still be running because it is just a joy. It's a ball of fun and a ball of energy. Well, fortunately, in honor of the show's 25th anniversary, a North American tour will be launching this fall. It'll kick off at the Denver Center for the Performing Arts and will play 35 cities across North America, including Baltimore and Minneapolis, throughout the course of its first year on tour. No casting or other dates have been announced. Uh, I don't know if this is one that'll stop by the Dr. Phillips Center, but Mm -hmm. I'll be looking at that schedule and seeing where in Florida it's coming, because it'll come to one of the bazillion touring houses here in Florida, and I will be going seeing it, because it's just a great time. I saw it in its last run on Broadway, like Mm -hmm. the last 
month of its oh, wow. run because I had um, basically my sister, the girl I used to nanny and her mother were here and they were like, we want to do like a girl thing. And I was like, well, I've got something <laughs> <laughs> that I've never done that I want to do with you. And it was such a party. And I agree. Yeah, I'm, I'm hoping that it can continue to come through because it's one of those shows that like brings every- I mean, I honestly, I say the same for The Rock of Ages because yeah. everyone I know goes when it's in town, they go. And it's like, yeah, what a fun time. I, I'm going to I've talked about the fact that I saw the Rock of Ages down here. I did the interview with Christine and Matt uh, last week. I think I'm going to go again towards the end of the run. I talked about the fact that the the first the, when I saw it, it was Matt's first night in the show because he had something he was doing in New York during the first week. So I want to go in and see how the show is gelled with him in the show for three weeks. So I'm probably going to go back. It's just fun. You know, we talk about the fact that like sometimes despite the fact that I have, you know, a, a lot of I don't know erudite theater taste like i'm kind of basic in a lot of ways and i think you've called me basic uh off mic before in my theater taste but like sure but like i'm okay with that like mama mia uh i love i love me some six some mean girls like they're just basic is not a slur sometimes it's just who you are and that's okay (laughs) thank you grace uh i appreciate that um i did not mention this on yesterday's show i probably should have but give credit where credit's due Ashley and I talked earlier this week about the Interview Magazine article in which Jeremy O'Harris interviewed Leah Michelle. Issues, great. We discussed them. But I've got to give Leah some credit for a TikTok she posted earlier this week, which I sent to both you and Ashley, in which she is looking at a screen announcing the Barbara Streisand uh, memoir. And she says her she's kind of like laugh crying and the text over her head says, I have 265 days to learn how to read, which I mean, is pretty great, <laughs> like for whatever issues that Leah Michelle has caused in the past, which we have discussed ad nauseum at this point, like it's a pretty good joke, a pretty good self own, a pretty good acknowledgement of the memes that go on around about you. Uh, I don't know if it was her idea or not, but she executed it perfectly. So uh, it's hard not to appreciate true social media art like that, Grace. I mean, listen, we can credit her all day long that she was down to do it. But whoever behind the scenes was that social media manager or assistant or whomever that helped create that little uh, green screen. Kudos <laughs> to you, my friend, whoever you are. <laughs> and, and whoever actually did the typing of the words That's because I mean. Leah obviously oh. can't read. So she doesn't know what those words actually mean. It's so. all a challenge. People who need people who can type. People who need people who can read. <laughs> that's, really, oh, that's funny. All right, everybody. That's all that we have for today. Thanks for listening to Today on Broadway. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Broadway Video. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at BWW. Matt Grace, where can people find you? You can find me on all social media platforms at It's Grace Aki. And here's what I just want to add, because I was like, I don't think I have a recommendation, but I actually oh. kind of do. Um, a lot of shows that opened recently, as in this this whatever Q3, whatever season, are now approaching their 100th uh, performances. Mm-hmm. So if there's a particular show that you're like, I'm thinking that it's their 100th performance around that time, just like highlight them on social. You know what I mean? Like I've just been seeing like Kimberly Kimbo just did theirs and I'm, I'm noticing a couple of others are approaching their 100th performance mark. So I'm just shouting that out. Congratulations to all the companies that are making it this far. It's a hard business and I'm excited to see them continue to celebrate their 200th performance and the 1,000th performance. But we're inching that 100th performance time for a lot of the shows in the season. So I just want to give a shout out 
to all the companies that are making that happen. Yeah, and it's difficult for them as they've been around for a few months, however many months it takes them to get to 100 performances, to now be in competition with a bunch of other shows opening up. Uh, so it's easy to kind of forget about them and to have them uh, fall under the radar. So that's a great one. I have one more recommendation I will recommend to kind of go along with the fact that I am basic. Coming up on July 31st, I guess I'm going to have to be in New York for this one. Um, your Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles musical was canceled 54 It's below. being rescheduled. It's okay. being rescheduled. I'll, you will have dates soon, but continue. Yes. But something that is happening at, at 54 The Below, <laughs> the reunion concert for one of my favorite musicals that I still listen to literally at least a couple times a week. Oh, I almost sent this to you. Yeah. Did you? I'm glad you saw it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Um, we Are the Tigers, the murder mystery cheerleader musical that I saw. I don't even remember what the theater it was, but I, I interviewed the, the star Lauren Zacharin for an episode here on Broadway Radio back at the time. It is um, absolutely one of my favorites. Preston Max Allen is the complete writer, book, music, lyrics uh, of the show. And it has an absolutely incredible cast. So many of these people have gone on to do great things since then, including Mimi Scardula, who we talk about all the time. Uh, Zoe Jensen, who is currently on Broadway in Six, playing uh, uh, one of the cast, Kate Howard. She's playing Kate Howard. I saw her in Hamilton on tour. Wanu Ogunwanfora, who was in Summer and in A Bronx Tale. Sydney Para, who's also in Six on tour. Like, just so many great people. So I highly recommend that you check this one out. It'll happen on July 31st. There'll be two shows at 7 and 9.30, I think, is, are the times for those. I guess I'm going to have to to come out back and see it because I absolutely love that show. All right, again, this is the end of the show. We're done now. I've already done the outro. You already know where to find us on social media. I will be back with a review roundup in the Patreon feed, but it was at the beginning of this episode. So have a great Friday. Have a great weekend. We'll be back to talk to you on Monday. <laughs>